Welcome to the Talking With Tech Podcast. My name is Chris Bouguet, and I'm here with Rachel Madel. What's going on, Rachel? Not much, Chris. We're doing part three of Caleb's question. This is uh, exciting. He had so many great questions, and we were like, you know what? We're just going to keep on keeping on and answering all of them on the podcast. Yeah, quick recap. Caleb is an educator from Singapore that listens to the podcast and has uh, written us a bunch of questions, and we've been answering them the last couple uh, banter segments of our episode. So here we go. Ready? Question number three. Mm -hmm. As I've had the opportunity to train teachers on using the communication board in class, we've started to blow up the communication board really big so that the teacher can pair their verbal words with the big symbols at the front of the class. Have you found this to be an effective and a strategy and helpful for your students as well? Well, what do you think about this strategy of taking a, a maybe the home screen of a core board and, of, a, of, a, of an application and projecting it onto an interactive whiteboard or making a giant poster in the, in, in the room or in multiple rooms? What are your thoughts? So I think anytime you're attaching language to some type of visual, it's super helpful for all students to learn what that word is and that concept. So if you think about our speech, it's fleeting, it's ephemeral. As soon as it leaves my mouth, if your ear didn't grab it, it's gone. So I think one of the benefits to AAC is that it, it, you know, takes this fleeting ephemeral, you know, word and it, shows a place where it stays and remains. Um, And I think, again, when we're working with a lot of students who have auditory processing challenges, auditory attention challenges, um, you know, having something like a communication board where I'm hearing the word and you're seeing the word is super, super powerful, even for students with with access to verbal speech, um, you know, which is sometimes one of the the indicators that, you know, uh, a student might benefit from AAC. Maybe they do have access to verbal speech, but they're not really using a lot of words. They have a small vocabulary. Uh, Maybe they're having a hard time comprehending some of these words, especially if they're more abstract language concepts. And so having the communication board available and seeing it modeled from a teacher is awesome. Um, And so I think that anytime we can help provide students with visual supports, um, it doesn't hurt. It only helps. Um, As far as the 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 enlarging. Yes, the bigger, the better. So I love the idea of a communication board. I also love the idea of keeping the uh, the language in the same place. So that's one of the benefits of a communication board versus, you know, having different cards throughout the room and things like that. While those supports can be really useful, having a board where students can learn the motor planning for specific words um, is really powerful, uh, which we talked a lot about motor planning on this this podcast. If you don't know what motor planning is, or you want to learn more about it, I'm going to plug our website for a second, Chris, talkingwithtech.org. You can go to our episodes tab and type in motor planning and all the episodes where we talk about motor planning come up. Uh, but definitely recommend the Chris Klein episode because Chris Klein's amazing. Talking all about motor planning, Chris Klein is an AAC user. Probably, I feel like, one of the most famous AAC users um, and he talks all about the importance of keeping the words in the same place. Yes, you know that is going to be my take on this, is that yes, 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 everything that you just said and everything that Caleb is doing, yes, put put it up, make a big poster board, but make sure that it is, if, if you can, and this is, again, one of those reasons that um, the specific language system first approach is a strategy that has maybe resonated with some people, is that you are taking a, whatever the student's, um, 
more robust AAC application and you're taking the home screen of that. It's what we are not advocating for is, is necessarily taking random core words, throwing them onto a board and then throwing them up on the screen. Because although, like you said, yes, it will be true that it's less ephemeral, uh, meaning you'll be able to um, have that visual paired with the audio while you're modeling. It does not, it's not consistent with motor planning. So it would be better than not having anything, but it's not as good as having something that is in, in a consistent place. Then I just love how you said there's, there's this um, clip of President Biden. Uh, I don't know if he was president yet, but he, he at, the, at the time, he, he, he leans into the camera and he goes, I can't even remember what he was talking about, but he goes, helps everybody hurts nobody and he that phrase the sticks with me like yeah that's exactly what these boards can do um is it helps everybody in the class right hurts nobody helps everyone um to see that there's some structure to language that um uh, you could teach maybe that uh like he these are pronouns and the pronouns are always over here or this is the spot where the pronouns are you know these are verbs and the verbs have a certain spot or maybe they have a background color that's a certain thing um so there's a the, those boards become instructional strategies for teaching language to everybody. And then those peers that are learning the language also then become can, can become peer modelers for the AAC applications. So it just is a win for everybody involved. I can't see a reason why you wouldn't do it. Um, and then I would also say he doesn't specifically mention interactive whiteboards here, but there are a number of applications or you can take your iPad and you can mirror it up to an interactive whiteboard. So there are some applications that have um, emulators that you can get to uh, install on a computer that would be on these interactive whiteboards. Or like I said, you could use the application itself using um, uh, a screen mirroring technology onto the interactive whiteboard so that can, people can see the larger modeling as well, you know. One thing I want to kind of expand upon, Chris, is, you know, when we're thinking about light tech AAC, like these communication boards, for example, um, my brain is always thinking like, yes, this is a support so we should have in the classroom for all students, but it's not it's not enough oftentimes. Right. Like so this is like a really good first step. And I think a lot of people are using core boards in classrooms as a like tier one support, right? Like everyone's getting a core board and seeing the teacher model. And I think that's fantastic. Um, but it's not like we can't rest on our laurels there, right? Like we need to actually be trying to have our students have access to high tech AAC because we know there's a lot of limitations with core boards. So, you know, by the time you get to, you know, building a, a uh, building sentences, uh, modeling multiple words on a core board, all of a sudden it, you know, is becomes incredibly taxing on your your working memory. Meaning if I start touching words on a communication board to build a sentence and I don't see that sentence in the message window the way that I do with a high tech speech generating device, it takes a lot of cognitive energy to like follow along, even for the adults. Right. Um, so especially for our kids who oftentimes executive have executive functioning challenges. Um, so, you know, I think that there's there's the limitations of the light tech AAC. And again, I think it's great. It's better than nothing. <laughs> it's a really good start. But let's not lose our focus on 
having kids get access to high-tech, robust language systems. Um, the other thing I'll say is that oftentimes I am, you know, working with uh, SLPs and I'm working with teachers and they're telling me things like, oh, like we have the communication board going, but like they're not really using it or they're not really, you know, doing much with it. I'm modeling on it, but not really seeing much happen. The auditory output from a high tech speech generating device can be an absolute game changer for students who are like, I don't really know what this paper thing is in front of me. I'm not really going to touch it. Maybe I'll touch it if you make me or you try to encourage me to. But like, I don't really use this. Right. Transitioning to a high tech speech generating device is a game changer because all of a sudden when I touch a word, I hear a word. And so now I don't need, you know, you to, you know, show me what to say. I can start touching words and hearing words and learning where those words are, figuring out how to use those words in meaningful ways. And I find that that can be, you know, that can be the the way that we get our, you know, students who aren't really communicating with us using light tech AAC uh, to start actually being motivated to communicate super empowering for an individual to hit a button and then that button actually do something right and what's actually happening is like you said it's saying the the sound in a consistent way so that every time I hit it it said the exact same way at the exact same volume I can learn that in a very consistent way and then what I also heard you say there Rachel just summarizing is let's say I made a phrase like I like it right so I and then I hear the word I like and I heard the word like it and hear the word it. But then what I heard you say is on a uh, high-tech AAC device, a voice output device, the next thing is you go up to the speak display and you hear, I like it, and the whole whole thing together all at once when you hit speak display. All of which is a limitation of a core board that you can't do to, you can't, you don't, it's not empowering necessarily to press a, a, a piece of paper, a laminated piece of paper and not hear that voice output, right? It's like, oh, okay, it's not the same. Uh, you're not getting that whole, um, you're not getting that consistent voice output, right? Because uh, the teaching assistant might say I, but a parent might say I, a peer might say I, and all of that is at a different pitch, at a different rate, at a different volume, uh, at a different speed from when I hit it, when I push that to when someone says it. Um, there's, It's much less consistent. The other thing, Chris, is that, you know, We've all had the experience of writing an email or writing something where we're typing and then we lose our train of thought and we have to go back and reread what we've already written in order to keep going. This is the exact same thing that happens with students who are using AAC. They start, you know, formulating a sentence and then they have the ability with high tech AAC to go back to that message window to reread what they've already uh, written uh, or communicated to continue on. Um, And so I feel like there's power and being able to see like, okay, put these two words together. What's going to come next? Okay. I'm going to add, you know, a verb or an adjective, or I'm going to add a morphological change here. Uh, so I think that the, it's absolutely important to have that ability to read back what I've already started to formulate. Um, we know the process of formulation is, is a lot slower oftentimes for our students who are learning language and high tech AAC allows to, allows us to slow down that process to refer back to that message window in order to keep formulating our, our responses. Anyone who's listened to this podcast knows of someone who is a great example of this. And that's me. (laughs) Meaning, uh, if you listen to the podcast, oftentimes I will start a phrase, stop, say something different, and then come back to my original thought, which is, it it, it equates to uh, starting to type a sentence, 
realizing that's not the sentence I want to type, hitting back, 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 backspace, retyping that sentence, right? And that, that's what you're saying when it comes to formulating languages. I might start something, realize that's not what I want to say or want to clarify it or change it, and you have that opportunity to do that when you're building in the speak display window, where if you're using a core board, that is, it's often hard to go back and readjust. Yep, exactly. The other thing I heard you say is, we've talked about it multiple weeks in a row now. You said that word, the word was morphological, right? Many core boards do not have morphological endings as a separate unit on that core board. And if you were to look at uh, analytical language processing, uh, the, the, the language processing, many speech, la- most all speech language pathologists studied when they were in school. Um, the very first unit of meaning is ing. Uh, the first morpheme that you learn that people start to use is ing. Before the morpheme in, before the morpheme on, before the morpheme ed, ing is the first one that really emerges. It's used, uh, well, it's the first one that emerges. Is that on your core board? It's, pro- it's likely not on your core board. If it is, great. If it's not, well, then how are we teaching ING? How are the kids getting the modeling that they need for ING and ED and plural S and possessive S and the other little units of language? You know something else that's not usually on a core board? Letters, Chris. So we don't have access to literacy if we're only using core boards. How are our students going to learn how to read and how to write if they don't have access to a keyboard? And without an access to a keyboard and literacy instruction, we can't possibly empower our students to say whatever they want to say to whoever they want to say it to. We can only program so many words into an AAC system, but we can't program everything. So Those are all the limitations of the communication board. We think what Caleb's doing is amazing. And all of you guys out there who are supporting your teachers by having core boards and enlarging them on, you know, whiteboards and things like that, keep doing that, but have an end goal in mind for your students. And if you, you know, can have a system and a screenshot from a high tech robust system, it means that all of the motor planning that your students are learning as far as where those words are, when they transition to a high tech speech generating device, it's going to make that process really seamless. Amazing. Caleb, thank you for these questions. Uh, Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Um, And we hope this really helped everybody the last couple episodes where we've been talking through the questions. You can send us our questions. We, if you are a member of Patreon, patreon.com slash talkingwithtech, and you send us a question and you're a Patreon member, we bump that to the top of the list and we will get to your questions first and put them out here on the podcast and try and answer them. Um, But if not, just contact us at talkingwithtech at gmail.com or reach out to us in any of the social media feeds. You can reach out to Rachel individually or myself uh, like Caleb did, and we will try and respond probably here on the podcast for sure, uh, eventually. (laughs) I know we have a long list of questions, Chris, that I feel like we've been asked over the years. Uh, But yes, we'd love for you to join our Patreon. Also, if you guys listen to this podcast, we're trying to get to 200 reviews on iTunes before the end of the year. So if you listen and you love this podcast, please, please, please take just a few moments go to itunes 
click leave a review and tell us what you think. We'd love to read it on air. We'd love to hear your feedback. It really helps uh, inspire us to keep doing the work that we're doing, to keep showing up every week and recording this podcast when we know it's making an impact. Um, so we love to hear your stories and we love to hear from you. So thank you, thank you, thank you if you guys have already left us a review. And if you haven't, now's the time. Help us to get to 200 reviews before the end of 2022. Without further ado, here's part two of our Talking with Tech Live event over at the Oregon Technology Access Program. Hi, everybody. This is Chris, the Vice President of Impact Voices. I have exciting news. Registration is open for Impact Voices Live Hangout in celebration. It is time to register for this exciting new conference. This is the only conference bringing the business and AAC community together to network. We are going to impact, empower, and connect everybody. Go to impactvoices.org backslash registration to register. For the best room rate, reserve your hotel room before September 9th. We are looking forward to seeing you there. On to the next question. Yeah. All right. The next one is... What would you recommend if we work with a specialized classroom for older students with severe behavior challenges, primarily with autism, and the staff is highly resistant to using AAC? How would you try to change the mindset in a very established, rigid, long-term group of staff? <laughs> that is an excellent question. It is. Well, here's what I would do. I would get the research and I would show it to them and then I would shove it down their throat and say, see, the research says that works every single time when you try and force them to change. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic there. That never works. <laughs> Does not work that way. Curious if anybody has any ideas. This is a tough one. This is a tough one, but it's one that I'm sure you guys have all encountered at some point. Like, oh, how do I just get this? person or teacher or team or school to buy in to AAC? Like, how do we get them to be like, yes, AAC all day, every day? Curious what other people have to say that have worked, strategies they use, videos. I know a lot of people share, um, you know, Google slide decks and videos and things like that. That can be helpful. Allison, you see what Allison wrote? Top-down support is important. Sure is, right? Having administrative support can help. You know, Allison, I had this conversation with a, a friend of mine. Her name is Peggy. She's a speech therapist. And she's she was constantly saying that to me. She was constantly saying, like, we got to have some accountability. The uh, teachers need to have, like, the, the administrators might we put this in their checklist. When they come by, they know that they have to check off. And I believe that's true. Do you know what I mean? We need to have accountability. Um, and we need to have that administrative support so they know what to do and they know what to even look for, you know, having those administrators in trainings and even in coaching sessions, I think makes a lot of sense. That's one avenue. And I think it has to, you're absolutely right. Top-down support is essential. And I would say the same thing to Peggy, but I would say just as equally as this 
this bottom-up support. Meaning when you have this groundswell of like, oh, I'm doing it because I have to do it or I do it because this is awesome and this is my calling and oh my God, goodness, all I do every day, every day is wrangle behaviors. And you know what? Um, uh, I've seen, I bet, I'll bet, I'm willing to bet, um, Sherry, that this classroom has had some turnover with assistance over the years, or maybe they're at least support staff. Um, maybe the teacher has been there a while, but the, the people surrounding the teacher have, have shifted. Am I right? Am I, I'm looking into my crystal ball here and seeing if, um, if I'm right, what do you think, Sherry? Has there been some turnover or that the entire staff has just completely been there for five to six years? Yeah. See, um, teacher changes oh, wow. every year because they can't do it. Okay. They had a, the opposite. They can't maintain those behaviors. No one likes that going to work that every day, having to maintain those behaviors. So if you ask them that, Hey, what would you, what if I showed you a way to increase your job satisfaction where you felt happier every day? You know, what do you think would, and if you ask them questions, what do you think would happen if you could, um, what do you think would need to happen? <laughs> they sit and watch Netflix. Mm. Oh man. I've worked at a school like that actually. Yeah. I know it's a teacher tough. that used to sit and read the paper and then I'd come into work and they'd be like, yeah, go there over there and sit there and read the paper. Oh my goodness. Alexandria had a really good comment. She said, can you get another teacher that has experienced success with a student talk to the class? I do think that like when you hear somebody who had a positive experience, um, that can be really beneficial. And I also think um, if you can show, um, and this is a little bit harder now because we're all remote um, or a lot of us are remote, um, but showing what success looks like um, I think that this is a, a tough one because of the the behavior challenges. Um, you know, one of my favorite things to ask a, a teacher is if you could change anything, what would it be? What would make your day better? And, and you know, and sometimes it's communication related and sometimes it's not. Um, but I think that what that does is it just gets buy-in. Um, it builds trust and rapport. Um I'm sure that if you ask this teacher, um, she would say like, oh, like I don't, I would hope to not get bit or, you know, hit or, you know, all the behaviors, the challenging behaviors that are happening in the classroom. Um, but I wonder if there's a way that you can kind of help um, set up systematic processes and language throughout the classroom. Um, and I think that the other, the, the one other thing I'll say um, is I think that if you... I mean, language happens all the time. Um, and I think that sometimes kids who have behavior challenges, it's because it's, it's a product, a byproduct of not having that communication. Um, and so I've had a lot of success um, kind of getting buy-in by saying, you see all these behaviors um, and pointing out like, oh, like that student just like ran out of the classroom. Like he's trying to tell us that he's all done um, or that kid just did this. And I perhaps what he's saying right now is, fill in the blank. Um, and I think that when you can kind of say, this is them communicating, but now we're trying to attach language to it. We're trying to make it functional so that they're able to tell us what they need prior to behaviors escalating. Um, that can be a really great strategy too. Let's see. want to see what's going on in the chat here. So... Deborah also says, yes, 
um, what Alexandria said and or have an AAC user present to the group. Yeah, I think that would be a really good idea, Deborah. Um, Sherry is adding more information to the scenario. Um, the teacher this year is a student intern. Man. Well, you know, I think that it almost feels more promising when you have uh, a new teacher um, because typically this isn't always, but typically they're eager to learn. Uh, they're excited to, to do the best that they can. They're fresh out of school and they're like, let me do this thing and let me do it. Great. Um, so perhaps you can kind of uh, take that, take that to your advantage. Um, I don't know. What does everybody else think? Any other ideas? Rosanna, it sounds like you have some ideas. I mean, you wrote a bunch there, but can we invite you to come on and talk to us for a second? Love this. Sure. sure. I just, I think I wrote them to Sherry by accident. Um, just from, I'm pretty um, beginning um, SLP in terms of AAC. My interests are in bilingual um, speech therapy and autism. And um, so this seminar has been really incredible for me. You guys have been great. And I really thank the um, uh, OTAP and um, S'mores and Deborah and everybody for making this possible. Um, but I basically taken some of your ideas around coaching and have been working with the teachers on teaching them directly how to um, provide the um, instruction in the word of the week and how to use like a core board or um and I have two teachers who have like large core boards that they're using and they're using it in whole class instruction. So the children who are reading are, um, they're literate, they can read the core word of the week. Um, the ones who are using a, uh, AAC or using sign language, they're signing it and using the core word. And I think um, getting it out of the speech therapy setting and me going into their whole group instruction has been really helpful. Amazing. I love that. I'm so happy to hear that you've benefited from all of the presentations that we've done. That's like such great things to hear. Um, I love that. I love all of these things that have started and kind of um, sounds like we planted a seed and then it kind of has grown over time. Um, and that's the good news is like, it doesn't matter when you start. Um, I think that you just, you know, set your mind to being open to learning and um, learning new things, trying new things. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've been doing and it's been successful. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like um, the teachers are actually really into it. And then they have their assistants sit in on my therapy and they can see how we're using. Um, I use the, like some videos and I guess Toby Dynavox has some short stories for the word of the week. So I'm trying to really integrate it into all aspects of their day. We're all talking on top of each other. I was going to say that's how change happens, right? That's how when you start integrating into the routines and everyone knows what to expect, um, that's when you can really see change happen. Sherry wrote a little bit more. She said, uh, the aides sit and braid their hair and look at their phones. When I ask them to model, they say, no, I have been talking to admin a lot. Okay, so Sherry, I've been thinking about this. What do you think would happen if you invited the the aide who is braiding her hair um, to teach the class how to braid their hair, or if they're looking at their phones to say, hey, 
let's share what you're looking at on your phone. What are we, we like looking at stuff on phones too. We like looking at YouTube videos or, you know, scrolling through our TikTok and whatever she's looking at, you know, or he's looking at. What if we invited them to be the lead in that role? What do you think they would do? (laughs) I love Deb's comment. Discreet humiliation. (laughs) Yes. (sighs) <laughs> worth a try great great thanks sherry <laughs> let us know you let us know you let us you write us and you let us know how it goes i know i know we're really yeah i mean trying to inspire people to to do better and to do more is tough especially when you know you're working with a lot of those challenging behaviors. Um, I really give teachers a lot of credit because it's not easy work. Um, you know, and it's, it's tiring and exhausting. And especially if you feel like you're not making progress. Um, and so that's why I like all of the suggestions that people gave as far as like having an AAC user, talk to a teacher who's had success, like showing what success looks like. Um, because the moment that you do something and you make an impact on a student and you see that change happen, um, that makes you want to keep doing it. Um, so it's like, how can we get these small wins so that we can inspire teachers and paraprofessionals to keep going, um, you know, the small wins and really celebrating them. That's another strategy that I love using is, you know, when a kid makes even a small step forward, I am like, I like make a a way bigger deal about it than like anybody else. But I'm like, look how great this is. Like, let me show you this video of what they did today. Um, and I think that makes a huge difference because your, your excitement is, is contagious. Um, and it can and transfer to, you know, a teacher then wanting to see that same level of success that you might've had in your session. Um, so that's something else that I use as far as strategies. Margaret wrote, follow their lead. Allison wrote, I also tell my aides that modeling is teaching. If we if we tell kids to just use their words, we are not teaching them how to use their talkers. Deb Wright wrote, make it fun. So there's there's some ideas here. Um, and I also am very curious, Sherry, when you when you write us afterwards and, and you follow up with us, let us know what the administration did. Do you know? What kind of changes did they make? You know, because I would imagine they're in a tough spot. Like there's not necessarily a plethora of, of assistants out there. Do you know what I mean? That are just kind of lining up at the doors to go, yes, can I go teach in a school right now? Um, there, there wasn't before COVID and it certainly hasn't improved now. So I'm curious um, what kind of motivational ways they, they come up with because that's their job too, right? All right, next question, Rachel. Yeah, let's go. We only have 10 minutes. How's it already over? It just flies by. It does. Uh, The next question is, I'm using a core vocabulary word of the week approach with several of my students who use AAC and or have limited language skills. Do you have suggestions as to which core words to teach first? So far this year, I have taught want, look, different, more, put, go, give, turn, among, among other core, sorry, among among other core words. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am trying to do this as a group, so I'm not choosing student-specific words. Any help, resources, selecting core words would be great. So I got to find it, but do you know what immediately jumps in my mind? No, tell me. There are two two resources here that immediately jump in my mind. One is Gail Van Tatenhove has a list of 50 core words 
that she uses, but mm -hmm. something um, that maybe is parallel to probably the same. I haven't never, I've never compared the two lists would be the um, universal core from project core, uh, essentially Karen Erickson, Lori Geist. Um, if you look up what they're using, I think they have a set of 36 words that they start off with. Rosanna, you're familiar with that? or you've heard of it, or you, you can Google it is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm thanking you for that resource because I am using one um, that has like, it shows you where it is, how you could, it gives you ideas about how, I think it's 50 words, it's an online resource and it has a little core board and it has it circled and shows you where it is. And then it gives you some, talks about the function um, of that word and ways that you could teach it. So I am using that, but I wondered, my, that was my question and I, wonder like um am i missing something like am i unaware because this is all fairly new to me of which are the most important keywords that we really should um teach first you know i'm kind of just going at it based on what seems to me the most potent vocabulary I can give a little bit of insight, um, especially in the initial stages. Um, there's a set of core words that I always start with, um, and be, and I base it on motivation. So most kids are are motivated by food. So I do eat and drink. They're motivated by toys. So I do play. Um, they're motivated by going places, right? Like getting up and going to the playground and going to the couch and going places. Um, all done because we want to give students the ability to say when they don't want to do something, that ability to really regulate, like I, I'm, I'm over this. I can't, you know, do whatever it is that you're expecting of me right now. And then more is another really general one, um, you know, that can, very easily be taught. Um, and then the last one is help. So those are the ones that I feel like they pack like the, the most linguistic power according to motivation of a student, um, especially with those emergent communicators. Um, and I find that focusing on those really covers a lot of my bases as far as like functional communication. Um, and so that's kind of just the approach that I take just because I really want these, these words to be used. Um, and I think that if we start with something that's maybe a little bit more abstract or harder to use, then, um, you know, of course it's good to do aided language input and to teach those skills. Um, but I really want kids not only just like learning about these words, but also like having tons and tons of opportunities to use those words. Um, so that's kind of the approach that I take, but, um, there's a lot of great resources out there and I don't think you can go wrong with, um, you know, figuring out what's happening in the classroom and trying to figure out a core word that can support whatever it is that the teacher is teaching about. Um, and that's what's so nice about those core words is they're so generalizable that they can be used across a lot of different kinds of activities and learning. So Margaret wrote a uh, low-tech idea pod. There are quick words uh, that help in early language users get started. Um, and then Allison wrote, most years I always start with go because there are so many new transitions in the beginning of the year. This year we started with on off to teach turning on the tech and off the tech. Uh, we needed to do a lot of that to start the year, which makes that makes total sense too. Um, I will add there to what Allison wrote about on off is that um, I often like to think the word of the week might really be the words of the week. Because like when Rachel was just saying, she said, eat and drink, right? And she said, go, but you might add, like you said, all done, but you might add stop there because there's some natural pairs that go on. And this way you can get two words in the week. You know, um, I've heard Karen Erickson say, word of the week is not enough. You know, maybe it should be word of the day. I feel like when you're just starting, 
it's word of the week, you know, in a practical sense, I think it's a, it's a good place to start. And then when you kind of get comfortable and feel, feel good and you, and you know what you're doing, um, then you can embrace like more words, you know? Yeah. And just to piggyback on that, Chris, I feel like so many of those core words are really good contrastive pairs on, off, in, out, stop, go. Um, and so that's a really great strategy that, you know, why would we only teach go when we can also teach stop, right? They just go so nicely together. All right. Lisa writes, what about those pre-intentional communicators based on the communication matrix? So Lisa, I'm not sure what you mean there in that quite, at least I don't. Rachel, do you, Lisa, do you want to come on and kind of explain that question a little bit more? What, what do you mean by that? Perhaps that she's talking about what do, what do you do with pre-intentional communicators? Hmm. It we... might've popped in when we were talking about the communication matrix. Perhaps. Maybe we just move on. Yeah. Okay. So there's one last question and we've got about five minutes left. So shall we try and do it? Mm-hmm. All right, here we got have you had any experience with helping families with remote assist? You have them log on and open with, open with allowing you to navigate their computer remotely. Thank you. Hmm. So yes, I can answer this, but I'm very curious if other people are doing this as well. And we use it hesitantly. So remote assist, essentially what that means, if you're not familiar, um, like uh, we have Chromebooks. So we have Chrome remote desktop is the tool that we use. And it's essentially allows someone on the other end of the computer to take control of your computer or for you to take control of somebody else's computer. And the reasons we've used that is if we need to get a student or a family member someplace and they don't need to necessarily know they need to get there again. Like, I just need to install this tool on your computer. You don't really need to know how to do that. Let me just get you over it. I need you to learn how to use the tool, but getting it installed, it's not something you really need to know. So let me just do that for you. Um, so those are the instances, uh, oh, you know, we navigate to this material. You're, you don't necessarily need this material again or where it's housed again. So otherwise I would like to coach you through it as much as possible. So I lead, we, we tend to lead with not using that tool unless we absolutely have to. And I'll add to that. Um, I mentioned that I've been doing some virtual AAC assessments and, um, I have to say that that's been, it's the cha most challenging thing because I have to literally talk through like, okay, now click the little wheel, now click this. Um, but I have to tell you that now all of my parents, they know how to use the device. They know how to program it. They know how to change settings. Um, and so it feels like this, this extra thing that feels really hard. But ultimately what I'm finding is that um, I'm spending more time for sure, but that time is well spent because now communication partners feel really confident using the device, programming the device. Um, and so that's been a silver lining for me as far as um, both treatment and assessment, um, but especially in the assessment phase, because um, typically what happens is like we have somebody like, you know, come in for an assessment um, or we go, and we do an assessment and we whip out like all these different devices and we put this in front of them and trial it and we do this. Um, and what we're missing is kind of that training piece. And sometimes that training piece happens after, um, but it's really cool when it's happening in real time um, and you're able to kind of coach somebody through the process um, and also teach, you know, about AAC and implementation in general, um, kind of as you're going through that. So that's a, another tidbit that I'll add. 
we can't see Lee right now because you've got a picture of an owl over her face. But I'm just wondering what Lee is thinking. Because if, if, if you could go back in time, Lee, wouldn't it have been great if somebody just did all that Google stuff for you and you never had to do it? Or is it better that you actually motored through it and you struggled and man, you didn't know where to click, but then you clicked and you figured it out. And nope, I clicked on the wrong space and I got it wrong, but oh wait, now I got it right. And now you're a Google master, you know, right. because you spent the time doing it. So you have to remember that back in March, 2020, somebody told me I needed a webcam and I said, okay, what's that? So then this weekend I learned how to do Google. That's how far I've gone. I realized the webcam is very important. Uh, my father, when I was growing up, always told me that if you learn it yourself, then you'll, it'll have more meaning to you than if somebody does it for you. So true. Love that. Words, words of wisdom. Your dad Linda. Was oh, sorry. I Go ahead. You say it. Oh, I was just going to say Linda Burkhart has this analogy about, you know, following the tour guide in Europe and, you know, the lady with the yellow umbrella and you follow all around and you get this tour, which is lovely. But if you got lost or whatever, you couldn't find your way back. Whereas if you're your own tour guide and you're navigating the route, you know, you, you learn it, <laughs> you learn where you are and get a better feel for it. So wise. Yes. Love it. And make mistakes, please embrace the mistakes. Definitely. Well, it seems to be the end of our, our Talking With Tech Live. We're so happy that you guys were able to join us today. 